Hello and welcome back to the Three Little Words podcast, the podcast where we read and rank romance novels. Uh, we're not doing that today. Hello, I'm Marn. Uh, we're show swapping. I am here with, first and foremost, Emma. Hi, I'm Emma. I use any pronouns. We're here. I am all- <laughs> we're here. I'm also joined here by Jacqueline. Uh, hey, I'm Jacqueline. I use she, her pronouns. And last but not least, I am joined by Nessa. Show swap! I'm Nessa. Wahoo! Wahoo! I'm also she, her. Hey. Hey. So, yeah, we uh, we did a show swap with the Through the Words hosts. Uh, you will be able to hear their episode on our usual feed, uh, the Dead Teen House Party feed. We are here on their feed. Uh, our usual thing is that we watch horror shows and miniseries, so we watched a rom-com for Three Little Words, and they watched one of the Scream movies for our feed, so you should go and listen to their episode once you finish this one. <laughs> I feel like they got it more correct than we did. I th- yeah. I, think, I, I feel like doing a Scream movie basically makes sense for what we do, and- I guess this is a romance movie. It's it's romance it's, horror, so it kind of fits. Is. And also, I can't read, so it's fine. <laughs> it's true. Never read it's a just... day in my life. This bookshelf full of lies. We are we are accommodating those of us who uh, are bad at reading books, which includes me, even though I have a book reading podcast on which, this network, which also includes me, someone who also has a book reading podcast on this network. God. So, so we watched So I Married an Axe Murderer, which had any of y'all seen this movie before? Yes. I feel like, Emma, you had, because you, yeah, you suggested that we watch it. I'd barely ever heard of this movie before. Uh, I've seen the poetry clip. But yes, that's it. same. I didn't realize that was from this movie until I started watching it. And I was like, oh, wait, I've seen like literally the beginning of this movie and like one other part of it in like complete isolation. And, like, had no idea that it was from this movie. <laughs> yeah. I love this stupid movie. <laughs> the first time I saw it was my mom and I had, like, just discovered on our TV, like, the on-demand. And we were just going through watching the weird movies that were on-demand on the TV, and this was one of them. I mean, and it's lived a rent-free in my head for years. Yeah, this this movie is from 1993. Uh, it has the most 1993 soundtrack ever. Apparently, it has a cult following. I learned when I was reading the Wikipedia page earlier. Yeah, yeah it's I, me. W- was the cult following in like 2004? I guess because, <laughs> like, you know what I I consider something to be uh, cult following is uh, Reanimator. My 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 TikTok feed is full of Reanimator. Somewhat horny reanimator TikToks. I don't know what I've done to cause this, but it must be something. And I would consider that to be a cult following, because I don't know when reanimator came out, but based off of the movie clips, seems like a long time ago. I have never, except for maybe like a Family Guy reference or something, I don't think I've ever heard anything about this. I've heard more about Becker. People Uh on Tumblr are also really horny about reanimator. Exactly. (laughs) Because I'm on the Tumblr part of TikTok. 
so yeah, this movie came out in uh, 1993. It stars Mike Myers and Nancy Travis. It is vaguely set in the same universe as the miniseries that Mike Myers did like last year for Netflix, which what? I didn't realize. Wait, I, re- I rebuke that. He There's like a one-off line that he says in this movie, and Mike Myers for some reason was like, you know what was great? This one-off line that the crazy dad says, that should be its own miniseries on Netflix. Which is insane. I think there must be news. If there is a cult following, one of the members of the cult works at Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, that that makes total sense. And by works, Um, I mean is an executive. uh, He made a miniseries called The Pentaveret, which is based on like the conspiracy theory that his dad talks about. The Illuminati conspiracies. Oh my god. And it was like his first live action role since fucking like the mid aughts <laughs> this is like his first like post powers like outing yeah post Shrek. um yeah because he 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 went into like voice acting for like fucking like 20 years or something um my first note on this movie is just there she goes there she goes again because they play that song like four times in this 90 minute movie oh yeah Honestly, the the opening credits are these long, like, back in the day when you had to have the credits. I miss when they did that because I like having the first two minutes of a movie to, like, get up and get myself a soda and, like, a bag of chips. Yeah. Yeah. A nice establishing shot to get you, like, into the vibe. It's the same way that, like, most plays, they say for, like, I think it's, like, the first five lines of dialogue make it nothing important. Yeah! Alyssa and I were watching a movie from, like, the 1970s the other night, and the opening credits were fully long enough for me to get up and microwave myself a meal and come back. (laughs) We should do that more. George Lucas, why? God. I was, like, on the edge of my seat watching these opening credits, though. There was just, it was, like, a POV shot of this person carrying a, like, a, glass of a, a mug a huge mug of coffee that was completely full the largest yeah. cappuccino and i love that they used like the serial killer pov it's really the slasher good. villain pov yeah. shot with the shaky camera and everything oh yeah and because of the shaky cam you think you keep thinking the coffee is gonna spill everywhere it's horrifying i kept, I kept yeah, expecting but... him to meet his to-be wife and she was gonna be the one carrying the coffee like they were gonna have their meet cute right there right now I also thought that was what was going to happen, but yeah, my my first actual note that I took was, I love this coffee cup POV shot. It's so good. <laughs> it's like all one take, also. Oh yeah, it's it's like mm-hmm. it's like music video kind of shit, and it's I love it. It's great. So yeah, we meet uh, our protagonist Charlie, played by Mike Myers, uh, who is hanging out uh, with his friend Tony in this like coffee shop slash nightclub that has like an open mic and people are doing like slam poetry um i i really like the decor of this set it kind of rips i love that they have just like an inexplicably huge like united states map on the wall and they have like lamps where the base is like a gas can and his yeah his friend is just dressed like a cartoon pimp yeah <laughs> I I did like 
that he was like, you look like an undercover cop. And it's sort of like, I am a cop. And then you get the payoff like several scenes later when it turns out that he is actually a cop. <laughs> I am an undercover cop. <laughs> Arguably the best character in the movie. Yeah. It's, this is, he's such a useless fucking cop in a way where it's like so well done and so funny. Yeah. And they they talk about how, like, Charlie has just broken up with his girlfriend, Sherry, uh, and it's kind of established that he, like, has broken up with all of his girlfriends for, like, dubious reasons <laughs> that he thinks are very good reasons, um, but Tony is like, I really think you're just making shit up. <laughs> the, like thing that keeps getting repeated is like you need to go to therapy you have like a serious problem <laughs> yeah he has commitment. he has commitment problems it's the kind of thing that like establishes like oh i guess i kind of want to feel for this guy and then the rest of the movie happens and it's you know goes kind of back and forth <laughs> yeah they like establish that he has commitment problems and like comes up with reasons to break up with girls and then he gets on stage and reads a poem about how he's totally justified about breaking up with these girls and he's like damn Romance sucks and is terrible. Woman. Whoa, <laughs> man. Whoa. Whoa. Woman. I, have I was camping question. this weekend and we were quoting that a lot. Oh my god. I have a very important question. Uh-huh. Is the... Is the poem supposed to be good? <laughs> no. No. I, surely I, not. It's not but, supposed I to mean, be in good, terms of but the... it's supposed to be that, like, it's a clear that, like, he's a regular and, like, that's the accepted vibe here. Yeah. Everyone in the club seems, like, pretty okay with him. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I did like all the sections where he talked about how horny cartoon girls made him. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, 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 what was it? Like, Betty, <laughs> Judy, Josie, and those hot pussy cats. <laughs> I... It's kind of, like, there's such a- it's so intense. It hits you so intensely. It's so funny. I they, I also love that, like, it's not a one-off scene. Yeah, he does it again. Several times. Like, several times throughout the movie. We never find out what his job is. According to Wikipedia, like, he is only defined as a semi-popular beat poet. Yep. Fucking incredible. Like, that's like, what he's doing. As far as the movie's concerned, he could be making his rent doing this shit. <laughs> That's what he is doing. I, well, I, I mean, guess? Unless, unless Harriet's paying him at the butcher shop. I I will say, I do like the bit that he has an unlit cigarette whenever he, like, does his poetry, and we just, like, never see him smoking outside of that. He just, like, carries one around as a prop. <laughs> It's, like, the first in a series of, like, incredibly offbeat choices. Like, okay, our main character has to be a beat poet? What the fuck are you talking about? So, I was talking about this a little bit in our in our text chat, and apparently a lot of, like, the reasons for the, like, inconsistencies in, the in like, the characters of the screenplay is because this movie was rewritten, like, a bunch of times. <laughs> Oh, oh, that makes sense. It was like the like the original writer wrote it and it was like 
le- it was like not as funny apparently and then when they cast Mike Myers he requested that they like make all these changes to the script to like make it more comedic and then like they brought another writer on to like do rewrites and then also Mike Myers did rewrites on it it is a bonkers script it's fucking crazy and it does make sense that like three or four people did rewrites on this mm-hmm. right because none of the dialogue like flows like it all it's all it's like almost all non sequitur yeah i like i almost hold on i wonder if like the original script is available online it is but also <gasps> i'm i'm it just is. i'm trying to find a way to f- make Robert E.O. Speedwagon rhyme with something so that we could make a modern day one. Oh my god. Um, cause yeah, on the, on the, like, production, uh, on the production section of Wikipedia, it also says that, uh, Charlie was originally supposed to be Jewish instead of Scottish. Um, and I, I assume they changed that when they cast Mike Myers, but I'm super curious about what that version of the movie would have been. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I, it's kind of good that they didn't make it that, though, because wasn't the original... And I, Oh, yeah, Woody Allen was supposed to yeah. be in it. If they'd kept the Jewish one and had Woody Allen, that would have been a nightmare. Yikes. That is true, but they also apparently almost cast Martin Short, and I would watch the oh, version of ooh. this where Charlie is Jewish and they cast Martin Short That's for true. it. Yes. Okay, we almost, it clearly, like, there's good timeline, bad timeline, and then we diverged <laughs> in the middle with Mike Myers for neutral timeline. They also cast Sharon Stone as the love interest and then, like, fired her and recast the role because she wanted to play Harriet, the love interest, and her sister Rose. Because Mike Myers was also playing two roles, which we'll get into in a second. Which, uh, as I said, would have been genius. Because Rose oh. and her sister are never, like, because it, it, the, the, the two-person in the scene thing for the time period, it's a little, like, I'm sure by the t- by the old time, it was, like, magic. But, like, by modern standards, it's a little clunky. But Rose and her sister, Rose and Harriet are, like, never in the same scene together. So it would have worked out perfectly. Like, it would have been seamless. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, no, they didn't fire her. She quit because they wouldn't let her do this. Of course she quit. She's Sharon fucking Stone. Let her do what she wants. I do do think that the the woman who ended up playing Harriet did such a good job. She's so (laughs) wonderful. Yes, no, I agree. Definitely. Is Sharon Stone our connection to the wider Screamiverse here? I think so. It's all coming together. It always does. (laughs) So... Yeah, so back back in the movie plot, uh, we get this like establishing scene with the, um, the the coffee bar and the beat poetry, and then the next scene is uh Charlie goes to meets of the world because he's going to visit his parents' house, um, and they are aggressively Scottish, and he is going to get haggis for his parents, uh, and he meets Harriet whom my notes on her say, oh my god, the butcher shop lady is hot. Is she the axe murderer? (laughs) (laughs) She's so hot, and she comes out in an apron covered in blood. I immediately was like, oh yeah. May love interest, sexy killer. It's like, crazily a very similar way to the way that they introduce young Nicolas Cage in Moonstruck, where (laughs) she's like, sweaty, and she's in like, 
uh, tank top with like an apron over top, and she's like working at the butcher shop oh God, with right. like knives and, and raw meat. Really okay. good love interest introduction, quite honestly. It really yeah. is. And she must own that butcher shop because there's never a single other person working there. Yes, she is the only one who works there, yeah. So I, I assume she owns it. The like, this won't make sense to anyone. The thing that this makes, like, rem- intro reminds me of is uh, the introduction of uh, Mira in the third Zero Escape game, uh, Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, the backstory of her, it, it, this is, it, it's, I, I have to think that game referenced this movie. So I think uh, Kotaro Uchikoshi watched So I Married an Axe Murder and was like, that's an interesting scene. I have to take that. <laughs> I love this, like, era of 90s rom-coms where, like, the female love interest has, like, kind of unconventional jobs and, like, does it and, like, dresses in just, like, a tank top and and jeans. It's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. It's so good. Why can't we have this? Everyone needs to be, like, a perfect 10 even as they wake out of bed. Every, Every, like, assassin killer. They just don't make them like this anymore. Literally bring back, like, this aesthetic of the love interest where you can butcher shop, bring back Mini Driver and Gross Point Blank being a radio yes. DJ. Bring back rom-coms that are, like, about, because, I mean, I, I don't even know if I would define this as a rom-com. It's like a, I mean, it is, but, you I know. I think it is. Yeah, it, it I is. think it is. But, like, I, I don't know, there's just something a little extra, because it's not just about, like, the main focus is not about the romantic comedy. The main focus is, like, when are we going to get to that murder? <laughs> It is, yeah, it is very, like, a when do we get to the fireworks factory movie, because they do promise you up top in the title that there is an axe murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Charlie and Tony go to visit Charlie's parents, who are aggressively Scottish. Uh, They have a Scottish wall of fame in his house. Uh, Charlie's dad is also played by Mike Myers in a insane amount of prosthetics. Uh, It looks good, though. Yes. Yeah, it does. They read like weekly world news and they believe a bunch of conspiracy theories and uh charlie tells his mom that he broke up with his girlfriend sherry and they have a conversation that like kind of once again establishes that charlie is terrified of like marriage and commitment and dumps girls before he thinks like they're going to end up in a committed relationship Uh, and his mom is like damn you shouldn't do that (laughs) But just like the modern day man, not before he takes them to meet his parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that his mom is just like, well, we liked Sherry. We haven't liked all of them, but we liked Sherry at least. Yeah. <laughs> I like his parents. They're good characters. Mm-hmm. They, they are. bully his little brother so much. Yeah. <laughs> he also has a little brother who's in like three scenes. I think maybe that 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 kid actor quit or something. Like he was supposed to be in more scenes, and they were just like, "Shit, we lost the kid." Or he like Uh he like went through puberty, and they were like, "Well, God, I don't know." I think they just wanted him for like three specific jokes. (laughs) That that also could be a thing because he's in the background of a bunch of scenes with his family, like the wedding and stuff. He's around. Yeah, I I just assume that like. Mike, this kid like looked at Mike Myers wrong on set, and so Mike Myers was like, "I've got to add a bunch of lines insulting this kid's appearance." Oh no! Yeah, they really did put that into the movie. Huh? They really <laughs> tear into this kid. Um, Charlie's mom also tells him, or she like shows him this news story about like this this murderer, this female murderer called Mrs. X, who like apparently has 
murdered all these guys that she was married to, um, and her whereabouts are currently unknown, which is definitely not foreshadowing. No, nothing's ever been foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, His mom also uh, hits on Tony, which is weirdly a constant throughout this movie that, like, moms are very- and, like, older women are very into Tony- (laughs) I mean, it gets kind of uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but it's a pretty good bet. Yeah, they do another montage set to "There She Goes," which is like the transitional music for several scenes of this movie. <laughs> uh, and during this montage, Charlie sees Harriet, uh, the butcher shop lady, whose name we don't get until a couple scenes later, uh, like dressed up for a promotion for like meets of the world on the side of the road she's like dressed like a little german girl oh i was like i was like why is my nose just say meat lady wearing a dumb little outfit <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's it. like dressed as like a little dutch girl <laughs> and they they like never discuss or like mention that again um we get the scene that establishes that Tony actually is a cop, to which I've written in my notes, oh, Tony actually is a cop. Incredibly good payoff to that joke. Why does he dress like that? (laughs) (laughs) He, like, I'm glad they established early on that he, like, doesn't know how to dress himself, and that, like, is also a thing that continues throughout the movie, because when they show him, like, at his literal job at the police station, he's wearing, like, a lime green tropical shirt under like a leather vest. Yeah, he's like in a Hawaii Five O but done wrong outfit. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is based off the fact that his character arc is that he's like he thinks being a cop was going to be like on TV, but it's just all yes. paperwork. So I feel like no, I think you're right. Yeah, he's trying to be a TV cop. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what TV cop shows were on, but he's like he references a bunch of them, but they they've all left my head. But you know. He's like he's like these are the two outfits shows on co- cops on shows wear time for my leather vest with Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yeah, I- this is this is the scene where he like talks to his captain, where he's like, I'm starting to have doubts about being a cop because like it's it's not like it is on TV. Like I'm just doing all this paperwork and it's like really not exciting. And also, you're too nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his boss is just a nice guy. He's like, you gotta. Stuck with the commissioner, and he's like, "Well, I don't report to a commissioner. I report to a committee. Some of them are elected. Some of them are appointed." Yeah, the the police captain, uh, played by Alan Alda, is like one of the best characters in this movie. Oh my god, that was Alan Alda. <laughs> yeah, it was oh Alan Alda. God. Of course. Yeah, he's one of the best characters in this movie. He's great. He's just like trying to be a good boss, and Tony's like, "No, I want you to yell at me." <laughs> Like they do in Starsky and Hutch. I want you to report me. Uh, I wish cops Uh, were like that in real life. Yeah. Charlie goes back to the butcher shop to, like, flirt with Harriet, but it's really busy and she doesn't have the time to talk to him. But he's like, oh, my dad is a butcher. Like, I'll, I I have relevant skills. I'll help you out at the the butcher shop. This is when we learn uh, that her name is Harriet. Uh, and we get a extended montage of them flirting while also handling raw meat. It's so that good. Is very good. It's 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 pretty cute. I love the seductive meat montage. 
I love that, like, everyone, like, the customers around them are weirded out by it, but, like, Harriet is very into it. Yeah, they have a very similar sense of humor. Somehow this this horny meat slash romantic meat montage led directly to Bob's Burgers, and I can't tell you how and I can't tell you why, but I just know in my heart. I, I, I love, love the meat montage. I do think it's funny funny that they never bring up the fact that his dad was a butcher again, like, even when they introduce Harriet to his parents. They they do, like, briefly, because his dad, like, asks her about the butcher shop, and then they, like, don't get to have the rest of that conversation. I got the sense that, like, there was something cut out there. Okay. He's like, like, do you link your own sausage? And she's like, but of course. And he's like, this girl. Anyway, time to go put on pants. Yeah. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, the meat montage is good. They're both making really weird jokes. My favorite one was yeah. the one where he pretends that he cut off his own hand. He just uh-huh. has his hand in his sleeve with like a bunch of meat coming out. And he's like, there was a shop, there was a shop accident. Yeah, it's he's a- like pretending to get mutilated and like have meat and sausages come out of him. And Harry is like, oh, I can't not fuck this guy. <laughs> It's a prime example of what I think, like, Mike Myers' involvement in the script turned this movie into, which uh-huh. is just sort of a, a venue for different bits to happen. Yeah! But the bits are good. Yeah. Bits are good. Yeah. Uh, after after this, uh, this day in the butcher shop, he and Harriet, uh, we see them kind of, like, eating dinner, walking along the water... They established, I think, later on that this movie is set in in San Francisco. Is that right? Yeah, it's in San Francisco. They go to Alcatraz. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's when they established where this was set. Um, He takes offense to Harriet calling him nice. uh, And they have this, like, back and forth where she's like, well, name one bad thing that you've done. And he's like, well, name one bad thing that you've done. Um... And he's like, how many people have you brutally murdered? And she's like, well, I think brutal's a very subjective word. (laughs) (laughs) To which I wrote in my notes, guys, I think she might be the axe. (laughs) (laughs) I love that her sense of humor is so fucked up in a way. Yeah, it's great. I mean, also, you can't blame her because in the meat montage, you do see her like hacking into a full pig head. And I'm like, Mm. I'm like, I'd be like that, too. Yeah. I love her. I really like their dynamic. <laughs> it's good. I like that she's a weird girl. Yeah, because he's like a soft, he's like a, he's like a, like, pre-era, like, quirky boy, soft boy. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she's a weird girl. Yeah, it works. <laughs> they also established during this kind of, like, walk that uh, Harriet knows how to speak Russian because they, like, walk past these... Mm-hmm guys in sailor outfits like i guess i guess they're supposed to be in the navy but they're russian off-duty uh, russian shoresmen what more could what more do you not understand marn <laughs> who start catcalling her in russian and she like replies in russian and kind of like tells them off um and uh and charlie's like whoa it's hot that you know how to speak russian and like they they do some more flirting and like Russian ballet impressions. Is it like, does it become relevant that she knows how to speak Russian? It was already relevant because we, when we saw the Miss X article and his mom's talking about it the first time, she's, she points at what each of the victims were and she goes, see a lounge singer in Atlantic city. 
uh, a martial artist, uh, a Russian martial arts expert, and oh, that's right. uh, plumber. a plumber named Ralph Elliot. I spent the rest of the movie like waiting for it to become relevant that she knows Russian and like completely forgot they said the martial arts expert was Russian mm-hmm. <laughs> because they never again say that he was Russian. <laughs> um, yeah, they, but they, they do. They don't mention it for that, but they later they do mention they do bring up her like interest in Russian martial arts when they're at her apartment. Yes, she. Uh, so she takes Charlie to her apartment, and she has like a big Atlantic City poster. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I used to live in Atlantic City." And she has like this wall with a bunch of like martial arts weapons and a gi. And she's like, "Yeah, I had a friend who was a martial arts expert." Ha ha. <laughs> and Charlie like tries to leave because he like kind of like she's giving a weird vibe but he's also like well I'm attracted to you and like I'm worried that I would end up like spending the night here on like our first day out um but she's like no I want I want you to and so they do he's like trying to play it coy play it sweet to be like oh she said it was getting late so is that her kicking me out I'll play it like this He's like, he's definitely being sweet. Uh, this is the part where my girlfriend turned to me while we were watching the movie and said, oh my god, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, but I, I, I hate myself more because I know I know it would get me. Da- absolutely. Me, me and absolutely. Harriet are in the same boat here. She also is like kind of giving murdery vibes in this scene as well. <laughs> yes. It feels like the American Psycho, like he, like he is Jared Leto in American yes, Psycho. Yes, 100%. Yeah. I also love their um, fake sleepy time tea that she gets him. Yeah. The cubby yeah. wubby room room tea. <laughs> um, so he does, he does end up saying the night and then she starts like yelling the name of one of the murdered guys in her sleep. Uh, and he wakes her up and is like, hey, what, like, what the fuck are you Like, what the fuck is that all about? It was. It did seem kind of like a sex dream, though, right? I oh, also yeah. thought that it yeah. absolutely does, which I think is maybe intentional. One hundred percent, definitely. Yeah, and she because mentions she's like, like, no, she's like Ralph is, you know, she's my friend, and then goes back to sleep. Yes, and that's like all we get of that for now. Uh, the next day, Charlie accidentally walks in on Harriet's sister in the shower, which I did not register that it was a different actress during that scene. No. Because they show her so quickly. I was like, oh yeah, that's the same woman. Yeah. Me neither. I I was like, I was like, oh cool, he's doing another bit where he's pretending it's somebody else in the shower. I also thought it was, it was like a funny bit. (laughs) And I was like, oh wait, there is another woman here. (laughs) We had to like debrief about the continuity of this scene on the on the drive home today. We were like, okay, so there was she was in the shower, but then her sister was there. But no, okay, no, that was her sister in the shower. But then she was there. It was so good. It was so strange. Yeah, the way that the scene is cut is like so weird. It makes me feel like there is like stuff missing in between the cuts because like yes, they they do this like establishing shot where it like her shower has like this frosted window that like looks out onto the living room and he like sees through the window that someone is in there and like goes into the bathroom because he's like oh i'm gonna like do a little fun surprise and then like her sister is in there but they show her so quickly 
that it like absolutely does not establish that that is a different brunette woman. <laughs> and also she later like makes all these insinuations and he's like, he's like, nothing happened. And you're like, yeah, literally nothing happened. So maybe that scene was originally longer or something. No, I think the point is to establish that the sister is giving off weird and creepy vibes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, the- she she does do that as well. Like, the, he, he, like, comes back downstairs and, like, meets her. But, like, clearly some time has passed because he has, like, changed clothes and she is, like, totally dry from the shower. Her hair's still kind of wet, though. Yeah, and, and she's like, oh, yeah, like, my... my so this is Rose, Harriet's sister, and she's like, oh yeah, Harriet, like, left a note and, like, she had to leave, um, but she, like, said that she had a good time with you, whatever, um, and they, like, talk over breakfast, and she's like, oh yeah, this is my apartment, like, it's not actually Harriet's apartment, she just kind of, like, comes and goes, um, but she lives here sometimes as well, and then she, like, leaves and is like, be careful, but don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, this is also our first instance of uh, uh, Charlie's catchphrase, uh, which he says, I think, three times in the movie, uh, which is when he just responds with a hello in a very like 1993 way. For, yeah, for a second, I was Extremely. like, I was like, is this where it comes from? It comes from So I Married an Axe Murderer? It might. It might. Point, it could. I, at one point, he says the phrase kitten breath, and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And so I looked it up, and it said, like, it means bad breath, said by the guy for- it said in- so I married an axe murderer, and that's the only place. Incredible. Where yeah, it's like, like, he said the- I like the nightlife, I like to boogie, which I know is like a- there's a song that's I love the nightlife, and then it's something else about the boogie, but I know I hear I like the nightlife, I like to boogie all the time, and I'm trying to figure out yeah. if that bastardization of it- is from so I think I married an axe so I married an axe murderer. But also I know I say it a lot, so I'm like, wow, did I get this from watching So I Married an Axe Murderer when I was like sixteen? Certainly. <laughs> how how much havoc did this one movie wreak on nineties vocabulary? So much. It can't be so that much, because they only made eleven million dollars. Holy shit. <laughs> it cost twenty two to make the fucking movie. Oh my god, they only made back half the money. <laughs> I mean, that was just in theaters. I mean, maybe maybe once it hit VHS, everyone lost their fucking minds. Absolutely I don't know not. about that one. <laughs> the um, most popular where... movie at Blockbuster. <laughs> this is where we get the other really insane transition, which is they play two princes over them on the boat to Alcatraz. <laughs> okay, this is where I... I literally was not hiding that I was watching this at work during work hours. I literally walked over to my boss and said, hey, can you Shazam something for me really quick? (laughs) And then I played the Alcatraz boat scene. And she was like, she was like, yeah, it says it's uh, two princes by the spin doctors. And I was like, okay, cool. That's what that's what spin doctors sound like, because spin doctors don't sound like that in my head i know objectively that's how they sound like but they whenever spin doctors you say spin doctors chumbawamba just starts playing okay nessa you're making me feel decrepit for immediately recognizing two princes by the spin doctors i didn't have a television for a portion of my life growing up so you don't have to feel too bad it was a radio hit i also wasn't allowed to listen to the radio okay spin doctors do the song that was in uh, 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 dude, where's my car? 
Potentially. It's the it's the big one. It's the one. There's the big song and dude, where's my? Never mind. This is this isn't anything. Wait, I've I've seen dude, where's my car? But I don't remember what song you're talking about. There's a there's a big sequence with them driving and there's like they're playing a song on the radio. Um, yeah, uh, I think yes, because Google autofilled Spin Doctors when I Googled Duder is my car, Spin Doctors. I'm thinking of Bust a Move. Never mind. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, see, never mind. See, the same way that I think of Chumbawamba, you think of Bust a Move, because Spin Doctors, don't, the name does not match their sound. Whenever I hear Two Princes now, I just think of the, uh, the Sesame Street bit where they had the Spin Doctors on and they did... Uh, Muppet Two Princes, <laughs> which I will paste in our chat in case anybody wants to watch yes, it. Post it immediately. Very quickly, can we all speculate why the hell they're going? Why two buddies are going to Alcatraz to talk about girls? I it's... wrote that in my notes. I was like, why? Like, why are they on this tour? What is happening? Because they're on. They they like go on a tour of Alcatraz, and are like talking about Harriet the whole time because Tony's like, hey, did you guys fuck or whatever? And he's like, yeah, let me tell you about it. But it's like, why is this the venue okay, I have some theories. for you to talk about God, girls? I have what some is theories. happening here? So first, I forgot to mention it, but there's so much product placement in the scene where they're at his parents' house. Yes. Like there's oh, like yeah. three moments of blatant product placement right in a row, and I think this might be like, like maybe when they were trying to figure out filming stuff. I do think part of it is probably like the tourism board of San Francisco was like, "All right, you got to do a scene on Alcatraz." Oh, that makes so much sense. Um, I, and then I the justification like that. in universe is. The fact that Tony's like, man, I love Vicky. It makes it seem like this is a thing they do regularly. Yeah, true. Like, I think they just go to Alcatraz regularly. I have a theory as to why, and it's because Tony is such a, like, fan of being a cop, the idea of it. I did think that, yeah. Yeah, I bet you're right. I think he's just like, yeah, we gotta go to Alcatraz, man. (laughs) Everyone in this movie is such a little freak in their own (laughs) special way. And it's, I really like it. Bring back being a little freak, Netflix. Be a little freak <laughs> 2023. bring back rom-coms with little freaks in them. This, this scene with them at Alcatraz is also sandwiched between two 90s songs. The sandwich between two princes and the third instance of There She Goes. Take a shot every time they play There She Goes. And you'll have- it would kill you. <laughs> You'd only have four shots. But so I did. I did succession. notice that, like, <laughs> I did notice that, like, after the scene, they they stop playing like pop pop songs for the most part. Like the back half of the movie is mostly like the original score. And I read on the production page that like the guy who wrote the score for this movie actually wrote, like, way more music than they ended up using, and they, like, replaced a bunch of it with 90s pop songs. Oh my god. god. And he was, like, really mad about it, apparently. That sounds, because he sounded like he had such care taken in. But also, there she goes! There she goes again! (laughs) 
Like, he wrote a title track for it, and they were like, no, we have to get our fourth instance of There She Goes in there. Sorry, man. (laughs) And, uh, kind of along with, uh, the third instance of There She Goes, we get a, a montage of Charlie and Harriet dating and, like, being cute, and sometimes Rose is there, um, and they're going on dates and doing things, um, they go on a double date at the diner with Tony and some random girl. Such a bad double date. It's so bad. Oh. The, gr- the girl that Tony is with is, like, so bad at reading the room, and that, like, becomes the joke of the scene. Because <laughs> they're, like, playing Would You Rather with, like, really outlandish, like, scenarios. And hers is just, like, like Would You Rather whatever or be electrocuted. <laughs> and they're, like... So, like, what's the rest of the scenario? Like, how is it funny? And she's like, no, no, just being electrocuted. It's like, all right, I guess I'll I'll choose being electrocuted. And she just, like, kills the vibe so badly that they're like, well, I guess this dinner is over. (laughs) We all have to leave now. Now, for all of you, would you rather every single part of every floor you ever walk on for the rest of your life is a combination of Lego and D3s? Or have a nice pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream? God, that's hard. Now, the Ben and Jerry's ice cream will upset my tummy. That is what it was. I was going to say it will upset my sinuses. Yeah, but I just got a milkshake, so I think I, I I can't. I have to turn that down the ice cream. I'm sorry, I have to go with the first one. <laughs> <laughs> um, they also Charlie and Harriet decide to walk in the rain at the end instead of like taking a cab with Tony and his girlfriend. And Charlie's like, "Wow, I love that you wanted to walk in the rain. You're so quirky and cool, Harriet." <laughs> She's not like the other girls. Like- she works in a butcher shop. Well, she's like clearly sister. making fun of her in that moment too. Yeah, and then we get the scene where he uh, he takes Harriet to meet his parents. Uh, it, it's established that he is gonna like throw them a thirtieth wedding anniversary party soon, uh, which we get to see later. Um, my favorite little detail from this scene is that when Charlie goes to hide in the bathroom, you can see there's a dartboard with the Queen on it in the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> yes. So- I didn't take ex- elaborate notes, but I do have an all caps. Yes, F the queen. <laughs> I, yeah, I wrote down. I love that his parents have a Queen Elizabeth dartboard in the bathroom. Um, yeah, so Harriet like accidentally does self defense moves on his dad because he like comes up behind her and startles her. Uh, but both of his parents end up really liking her. Uh, Charlie goes to the bathroom and he finds the like, edition of the Weekly World News talking about Mrs. X, and he, like, starts putting the putting the dots together in his mind, and it's like, oh, there's, like, a victim named Ralph, which is, like, the name that she was shouting, and there was one who was a martial arts expert, and blah, 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 and he, like, overhears Harriet saying to his mom that she, like, moved around a lot, like, across the country, and he's, like, seeing these connections in his mind palace. She used to be in uh, St. Louis, where that lounge singer was murdered. Yeah, and uh, he's getting scared. Uh, And on the way home, he, like, tries to grill her about, like, the places that she's lived and, like, what she did there, but she's very cagey and, like, doesn't 
want to talk about it. My notes just say, go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah, she says <laughs> like she them. especially doesn't want to talk about Atlantic City because she hated living there. And uh, and so Charlie goes to the police station to tell Tony that he suspects that uh, Harriet is this serial killer. And Tony has the rational reaction of like, hey, I think that you're just scared of commitment and you're like making up a reason to dump this girl. Because we, we know from the opening scene, like, he also had, like, this conspiracy theory that one of his previous girlfriends was in the mafia. And that was why he dumped her. And the other one I smelled can... like soup. Yeah. Can this be the moment that we talk about how wrong the letterbox description of Sly Married and Ox Murderer is? Sure thing. Is it really? I logged it on Letterboxd, but I didn't look at the description. What is it? Uh... As a voracious consumer of sensational tabloids, his parents soon come to suspect that Harriet is actually a notorious serial killer. Thinking his parents foolish, Charlie proposes to Harriet, but while on his honeymoon with her, he begins to fear they were right. Huh. That's not that's not what happens at all in this movie. <laughs> I wonder if that was the earlier draft of the script. Letterboxd exists, exists in an alternate timeline. I like that the topmost popular review is they played There She Goes four times. <laughs> but... Yeah, he so he goes to the police station. He's like talking to Tony. He's like, I think like all of these things add up. Like, I think that Harriet is Mrs. X. Um, and Tony's like, Hey, man, I'm really worried about you. <laughs> I think the like I think that there's something going on with you, and you're like really scared of commitment. And I, we should talk about this. And Charlie's like, No, no, no. Please indulge my insane conspiracy theory because we're <laughs> friends. <laughs> Um, and he does, he does kind of briefly indulge it. He, like, gets someone else at the station to look up all of these victims. Um, they, they make a point of mentioning that the first victim was a lounge singer whose, like, whole shtick was, like, singing the song Only You in a bunch of different languages, uh, which comes up again later. Um, but so, like, he gets someone else to look it up. There's, like, not even any evidence that, like, some of these guys were murdered. And he's, like, there's, like, not even evidence that they had wives. Um, and so he's, like, I don't know, man. Like, there's no evidence at all that points to Harriet. I can't do anything for you. <laughs> Which does kind of mean that the worldwide news or whatever is kind of a liar. Because they specifically said that all of them were axe murdered. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't think we're supposed to think it's a reliable source. That's true. Well, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Even a broken clock strikes right twice a day. I do love that, like, Tony is a concerned friend, but in the wrong way for a lot of this movie. <laughs> uh-huh. Tony lives in the, li Tony lives in the world with us, though, where this would be an insane prospect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> He's just like, man, let's let's talk about this for a second. <laughs> I wanna, I'm worried about you. You should get a therapist. And Charlie starts pulling away from from her in a way that's like objectively insane. Yeah, he like gets scared that she is going to poison him. And they have a whole fight about it cuz she like tries to bring him a a smoothie. Uh and he, like, does not want it, and they have this whole scuffle, and then later she's like, I'm sorry, I'm just, like, really sensitive, and 
I like that I can tell you anything and that you won't judge me. And then immediately starts talking about how often we trust other people with our lives. And that you can just push someone onto the train tracks. I mean, mood. Valid, girl, valid. That's Although to be so fair, to be fair to Charlie in this moment, she said, specifically said a health shake, and what he was trying to serve her was clear like Kool Aid. Um, so yeah, they have such a funny dynamic. I love that he stands in the glass closet <laughs> to try to get away. She from can her. see him, yeah, the whole time. Or like when he feels bad about it, when she's upset afterwards, he tries to like tackle her and go, "I'm a human blanket," and she's like, "No, not yeah. tonight." Yeah, it, he, like, freaks out when she's, like, touching his face and, like, talking about how often we trust people with our lives, and she gets rightfully mad at him for, like, screaming and freaking out, and, like, rolls over and, like, is like, well, I'm going to bed, good night, and he's, like, trying to be obnoxious to her. They yeah. do a good job of establishing that they've been together for a while at this point. Yeah. With, like, a lot of weird little inside jokes and bits and stuff. Yeah, I just have in my notes, if she's not an axe murderer, Jesus Christ, Charlie. Yeah. To keep those uh keep those thoughts uh n- not extrusive. Yeah, keep them intrusive, Charlie. So the next day, um he goes to the San Francisco Globe office to like place an announcement for his like parents for their 30th anniversary. And there are these, like, two jokester obituary writers in the background who were, like, the best characters in this movie. <laughs> was was one of them Kramer? I truly thought that that was the case, but I didn't look it up afterwards. It is him. Okay, thank okay. God. He looks good. It's... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's notorious racist Michael Richards doing the funniest bit in the movie. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Is that being, is that Mr. Insensitive? Yeah. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. He goes to the, Charlie goes to the office to put in a notice for his, um, for his parents' anniversary in, in like, the Philadelphia Tribune or whatever. Uh, San San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the Philadelphia Tribune. The newspaper of San Francisco. Everyone knows this. Um, but, and while he's there, he sees these, like, like, uh, basically he, Michael Richards and I don't know Columbo I guess uh standing next to each other being like you hear you hear somebody like found that w- that one guy who was like a Mrs. X victim they found him he wasn't missing they found him all chopped up and uh they make they make some joke and the like the front desk lady is like hey those people had a family like and people mm-hmm. who loved him and then Charlie walks over and is like did they say anything about the wife and he's like uh, he's like I get it I get it like I'm Mister Insensitive, and it just keeps going and going until until Kramer just like blows up and storms across the office. It's really good. It's like one of the best bits of this movie. <laughs> I especially love the part where Columbo kind of like miffed turns to Charlie and is like, "That guy was my ride." Uh, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's just like it's such just like a good one off bit that like they. That like Mike Myers is barely involved in it all. <laughs> it is interesting for to see Mike Myers playing basically the straight man. Yeah. Yes, he's just a guy. He's he's just like genuinely being just a guy in this scene, and it's 
it works, honestly. Yeah, I didn't know he could be just a guy until I watched this movie. Well, I mean, technically Shrek is just a guy, so... I was, I was just, just about a guy to say with that, a Scottish yeah, accent. Shrek technically Consider. is just a guy. <laughs> yeah, but he's still doing an accent for Shrek. He's not doing one for this. That's true. It is, it is true, but kind of the whole plot of Shrek is that he is just some guy. Which... To the to the point, he is doing the Shrek voice playing the dad. <laughs> that yes. is true. I was wondering when we were going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, like absolutely, a hundred percent. That is like the genesis of the Shrek voice. It's funny because you can hear his Scottish accent getting better as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. So by the time he made Shrek, he could actually <laughs> do it consistently. There would be no Shrek if not for So I Married an Axe Murderer. Oh my god. And for that, we all have to say thank you. <laughs> it's one of those, like, there would be no My Chemical Romance if 9-11 had it happened yeah. situations. <laughs> and there would be no Twilight if My Chemical Romance hadn't happened. Therefore, 9-11 yep. caused. And if there was no Twilight, there would not be today's episode of Unnatural Selection. Go tune into Unnatural Selection on the Moonshot <laughs> Podcast Network. Damn, we've come full circle. Ouroboros! <laughs> he, so he takes Harriet to a, a, a public park um, because he wants to dump her, which I thought was actually a very funny bit. He uh, He's like, well, I have to dump her in public or else she'll kill me. <laughs> um... <laughs> And uh, he says that he's dumping her because he is afraid that she's gonna, like, leave him. Um, he really means that she's afraid she's gonna kill him. Um, and he is, like, trying to preemptively break up with her to, like, save himself the heartbreak, which is a bunch of bullshit. Um, Harriet is like, well, alright, like, at least you're telling me early on. And then she leaves and goes back to to work and is like very clearly mad at him and then we're back in the jazz club we're back in the jazz club he goes to right by the water and then he gives up and he goes back to the jazz club um and he's reading the the same poem about how all of his girlfriends disappointed him except he's added a bit about harriet and then he doesn't blow out the candle this time he doesn't. Yeah. I do think that one like quick moment where he's at the water was also brought to us by the San Francisco Tourism Board, because I do think we can kind of see the bridge in the background. Yes. Uh-huh. Absolutely. I'm bought into this theory now. Also, there were baby ducks, which is pretty fun. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, there were. Uh, Tony calls Charlie the next day and is like, hey, someone like turned themselves in for Ralph Elliott's murder. But, like, they haven't confessed to anything else. And Charlie immediately is like, oh boy, I was clearly wrong about my theory. And, like, jumps in the car and goes to see Harriet. (laughs) And is like, I've made a huge mistake. Like, I was just being paranoid. I'm gonna go to therapy. I'm gonna work out my issues. And Harriet's like, I'm still mad at you. Like, you can't come in my apartment. Uh, and he's like, well, I don't want to lose you. Like, I'm unrejecting you. I want to get back together. And she's like, you're going to do it again. Like, you've showed me what you are like now. Um, and they say, I love you to each other. But she's like, you blew it. Like, bye. <laughs> uh, and she shuts the door on him. 
But then he goes outside and he does slam poetry on the roof outside her window. And he does bring a band, so it's he not completely yes, he brings the, He brings the band from the club to do to read a poem about her from at from outside her window. It's cute. And <laughs> cute. I think if a man ever did this to me, not just because I'm a lesbian, but I would like shoot him on sight. Oh yeah, for sure. I'd be like, don't you yeah. dare do slam poetry at me. It's it's bad, but it's like not to spoil things for the end. But if you have to, like, if I had to categorize anything in this movie as like dreamy, I guess this is almost it from a certain point of view. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's it's idealized. It's fun. Yeah, I just really um, hate I'm... slam poetry. <laughs> And then obviously she's like, well, I mean, you wrote a poem about me. I can't not fuck you. And she lets him into the apartment. Uh, and they have, there's like a cute scene with them in the bathtub together. Um, and then Rose is like, hey, like someone's here for you, Harriet. And it turns out to be her friend Ralph, who actually is a girl. Uh, who is only in this one scene of the movie. Ralph is a beautiful name for a baby girl. <laughs> yes, I I need to know every detail about their relationship i agree Uh, because of the previous scene which we can get into this but i have theories about my i was like i was like okay great mike myers now just thinks that his girlfriend was having a sex dream about her cute female friend named ralph and mike myers is literally so happy about it that he hugs ralph in just a towel and then the towel drops yeah, and they do, like, a whole extended bit about him being naked, and, like, it goes on for way too long. It does, but it actually is kind of cute. It is kind of cute. She it squeezes his butt. She does. Yep. And he tells her to call him. And then we never see her ever again. Yep. I wish she- she should have been at the wedding. Yeah. I agree. Why I wonder... wasn't she invited to their wedding? Maybe she was and we just didn't notice? I don't know. Yeah, really, she should have gotten a reception shot. That is true. So, so yeah, so they go to uh, the the parents' anniversary party. Um, his dad gives this like big speech about how much he loves his wife. Um, and Charlie's like, "Damn, I, I want to like be committed to someone like that. I, I want like to get married." Um, and so he proposes to Harriet, and she immediately says no. <laughs> Queen. <laughs> and it's like very clearly uncomfortable um, and she's like let's just live together and then we'll like figure out later if we want to get married which like kind of kind of solid you know yeah. what if what if Mike Myers leaves underwear everywhere or something that's true they've also only been dating for like not that long right yeah he does invite her to that anniversary party like it's not like he's like, I'm planning my parents an anniversary party in 18 months. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what the timeline is, because it's like, I think I mean, it's also- longer than we think it is, but mm-hmm. still not super long. That's what I was thinking. But also, maybe not the 90s, but back in the day, people just got married on a song. They were like, they wouldn't even know the person, and they'd be like, let's get married. Yeah, I mean, my parents... I met during summer, and then my dad proposed on Christmas. <laughs> so yeah, they really <laughs> do be knew. like that. So yeah, she's like, 
I like I just want to live together like let's let's do that and then like figure it out later and he's like no I really want to marry you I want to like have kids I'm really in love with you um and then his dad makes a toast to him for like throwing the party and he's like hey like I hope that you and your girlfriend also have like a great 30 years of being married and Harriet's like fuck it yeah let's get married nice and they do they have a Scottish wedding I wrote, I love Rose's silly maid of honor hat. <laughs> oh yeah, they're, um, she's wearing, the bride's side is all wearing like the yellow tartan and his side's all wearing the green tartan and mm-hmm. Mike Myers is in a kilt. It's fantastic. Yeah, all of the guys are in kilts. Rose is wearing a silly hat. Um, Harriet hesitates a really, really long time on saying I do after their vows. Um like an uncomfortably long time yeah uh everybody gets really hammered at the wedding party bagpipes are happening Marn, if you had a gun if you had a gun to my head and you told me to predict what happened in in every single universe i would not expect a bagpipe cover as sung by michael myers in a scottish accent of rod stewart yeah. Yeah. That is what happens as he sings. I forget what the name of the song is. If You Want My Body, I think is the name of it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's, it, I, I, I guess checking in my, on my girlfriend report, uh, also, uh, this was the part that got the biggest laughs out of them. Uh, it, it had them cracking up, rolling around the floor, uh, Mike <laughs> Myers singing a funny little song. They do a lot of work uh, establishing that everyone at this party is, like, in- like incredibly blackout drunk. <laughs> yep. Yes. Also, we can't forget to mention the leopard print uh, uh, bagpipe. Yes. yes. Uh-huh, absolutely. It was it was fantastic. I just, I could never guess it. In, in, in every world, I would not be like, this is what it's gonna be. Yeah. Um, and then Harriet starts singing Only You in several different languages to Charlie who is now like, uh-oh, maybe she is the ex-murderer. And uh, and then they go on their honeymoon, and he's still kind of, like, freaking out, because he's like, oh no, maybe I made a mistake. But he's also mostly settled, because, you know, that one lady turn- turned herself in. Yeah. He does make some and- some joke while they're driving the car, and... Uh, she's like, what do you, he's, he's like, I, I'm the best husband you've ever had. And she's like, what the fuck do you uh-huh. mean by that? What do you, you think I've had she more than so one husband? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she like freaks out and she's like, what, like, what, what, what was that joke? Like, what did you mean by that? And he's like, it was literally just a joke. I don't know, dude. <laughs> uh, and then we, we check back in on Tony, whose boss is like, Hey, like the the woman who confessed, like her confession's no good. Like she is a nutcase, and she like also confessed to a bunch of other murders, like Abraham Lincoln and like other historical figures. And Tony's like, "Uh oh, I gotta go tell Charlie." But he's also excited because his the, the captain is like trying to be a mean captain to him. It like suddenly yes. becomes a crime drama. It's so funny. It's really good. I liked. I I liked the bit at the end of this scene where it's like he leaves and then he walks back in and starts giving the, him acting notes. <laughs> he, he he corrects the pronunciation of like an ethnic jab. 
that's later actually oh that's, that's like yeah but yes that that part is also really good shit um yeah he he comes back and he's like i really appreciate that you're like trying to be meaner to me and like starts giving him notes um and then he makes a bunch of calls to like people who knew the like victims of Mrs. X and everyone is like, oh yeah, like this photo that you sent is is definitely her. Like I recognize her. Um, and he's like, oh god, I gotta go warn my friend. Uh, meanwhile, Charlie and Harriet have made it to the hotel that they're they're staying at. Uh, on their honeymoon, there is a storm rolling in. Uh, we establish, and so they might lose power. Uh oh, Martin, that would never happen. Mm, yeah. What? <laughs> Nobody. Nobody's ever lost power. No. And uh, Harriet is like acting very weird and cagey. She's like, "I'm gonna go get some aspirin from like the hotel drugstore. Like, stay there and don't move, and like, don't go anywhere until I get back." Um, and Tony like can't contact the hotel because the phone lines are down because of the storm, and he's like, "Whatever." I'm gonna, like, fly out there myself in a plane. Uh, we we get, like, a weird little scene that establishes that Harriet has, like, a necklace with three different wedding rings on it hidden inside, like, her, her makeup, one of her makeup, like, containers. And she, like, takes it out and looks at it meaningfully. I, so they, uh, and then her and Charlie go to dinner, and I love the outfit that she has on in, like, this last half of the movie. It's... It's hot. It's awesome. It's a great outfit. I love her her little red gloves. Yeah. It's very cute. Yeah. yeah. They do a lot of work into like trying to make her look very like shady and sinister. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fushy, fucking like Fujiko Mine ass outfit. <laughs> um God, and so they right. So they go to dinner in the uh, in the hotel like restaurant, and like Charlie's like, oh, I'm gonna like go wash my hands for dinner, and she and Harriet follows him, and is like being really really shady, um, and they they kind of are like setting you up to think that she is going to kill him, uh, at this hotel, like it's kind of going to be a the shining situation. Yeah, it is. It is very creepy. The like POV of her following him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's once again like the the slasher POV type situation. Um we we also get these like kind of intercut scenes with like Tony in the plane that he has he's like trying to take to the hotel. That plane guy is a national hero. Yeah, with like the worst pilot ever. <laughs> but what about the commandeered vehicle, Marn? <laughs> the commandeered we'll get to the commandeered vehicle. <laughs> I do think I do think it's very funny that Tony keeps trying to, like, commandeer these, uh, like, a, a plane in a car that everyone is, like, incredibly unhelpful and uncooperative. Um, Quit your but, job, yeah, so Tony. He, yeah, he's like, so he's like, I'm gonna, like, go myself in a plane, and and he gets in this, like, two-person plane with, like, the worst pilot ever, who is, like, not good at flying the plane in a storm. Um... Charlie and Harriet like so he finally lands he calls Charlie at like the front desk of the hotel and he's like hey 
you're like Harriet actually is Mrs. X. Like I sent photos to people and they checked out and like I'm on my way. I'm I called the police and they're on their way. Just like be cool until we can get there. And like obviously he is not being cool about this. He's like having a meltdown. Um, but because they're at, on like their honeymoon dinner at this hotel, everyone's like, oh yeah, you have to like do a traditional wedding dance and like we're gonna make you stand up and like talk about how cool it is that you're married (laughs) um and yes tony tries to commandeer a vehicle he like pulls a guy over on the side of the road and is like i need your vehicle for official police business and the guy driving it just says no you can't do that (laughs) he really says a cab i know my rights yeah he's literally like i know my rights and you're not allowed to do that (laughs) And so he, like, he ends up just, like, getting a ride from this guy instead of taking his car. That guy's so familiar. Like, I don't know where, though. I feel like he was, like, a vice principal on Ned's Declassified or something. Yeah. Uh, Charlie and Harriet get put in the quote-unquote honeymoon chair and are, like, carried through the hotel to, like, be alone in their room as newlyweds. And Charlie's like, "Uh uh-oh, this is the last place that I want to be, is alone in a room with my wife, who is probably an axe murderer. Um, And she, like, corners him once they're in the room together, and is like, I need to tell you something, I've been married before. And he's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, And he thinks that, like, obviously she is going to kill him. There's also a convenient axe in their room. <laughs> you know, hotel axe. Yeah. yeah, just the hotel axe that is, like, stabbed into a stump of wood in their room. That's what that's what couples do in their honeymoon, right? One of them, like, takes the axe and splits wood to, like, prove that they're committed to their marriage? Yeah. The you classic. Know is. Yeah, every honeymoon suite comes with a free axe. You Martin, you've Martin, been married. You're the one who's married. Yeah, did you not do? Did you not? Did you not do the axe? You got to do the axe. You're not legally married until you do the axe. Oh my god! They actually added so, in yeah. the axe when they made Charlie not Jewish anymore. <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, they Charlie like grabs this axe that is in their room and um starts like threatening Harriet with it and is like, "Don't get close to me! Like, stay away from me!" Uh, the power goes out and they start like tussling because she's like, no, 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 I just want to talk to you. And he's like, absolutely not. Like, stay away. Um, he gets away from her and like locks her in a closet. Yeah. I, thought, I think it's a closet um, where it's like, it has like a, one of those like kind of windows with slats situations so she can like see through. Um, and he finds a forged note next to the phone that it was like supposedly from him saying that he's leaving her. Uh, and then Rose tries to jump him with an axe. Hell yeah, Rose. Maybe that was her Rose's axe she brought it into the hotel room. <laughs> True, it could have just been her personal axe. Honestly. So I kind of guessed that this was gonna be the twist because I recognized Amanda Plummer and I was like, oh, it's the um the the like the robber lady from uh pulp fiction <laughs> i was like i wonder if she's also playing like a crazy criminal in this one uh-huh <laughs> they had me in the first half i kept being like 
I was like, I could be in like, we're like 90 minutes in. Where's the, when's she going to do the axe murdering? <laughs> so yeah, she, uh, she like jumps him with the axe and he like gets out from under her and she like destroys the phone with the axe. Um, and she's like, I'm going to kill you for like trying to take my sister away. Like all of the other men that she married, he, Starts, like, trying to fend her off with a hat rack, and they both go out the window onto the roof. Uh, Tony has finally made it to the hotel and is, like, kicking down the door. He finds Harriet locked in the closet um, and, like, shoots the lock off and handcuffs Harriet because, obviously, he thinks that she's the axe murderer. Useless fucking Um, cop. But is so incompetent, just like real-life cops. She's like, no, yes. listen to me. You hear that? You hear that intense scuffling on the roof? That's Charlie and my sister. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll like, talk about it at the precinct. <laughs> yeah, he's like trying to arrest Harriet and be like, you're the axe murderer, and like now you can never hurt anybody again. And she's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like Charlie is here. He's on the roof, like fighting my sister, and he's just like not listening to her. And like you could. <laughs> audibly hear Charlie being attacked on the roof above them, which is also a really good gag. The only way it could have been more gaggier is if he was like, if he was shouting while being attacked, Tony, it's me, Charlie, I'm on the roof being attacked. <laughs> yeah, because like, they, they keep cutting to like, he's trying to like, get through other windows and like, almost get shot because Tony is like, fires his gun through the ceiling. Um, he ends up like, dangling off the edge of the roof and Rose is like, attacking him, trying to cut his fingers off with the axe. And you just like, <laughs> whenever they cut back to like, Harriet and Tony, you just hear him like, going, like, screaming in the background and like, the sound of the axe hitting the roof. <laughs> And Tony's like, Tony's like holding an unlit cigarette being like, so walk me through this again. You're not the murderer, but your sister is. And Charlie's on the roof. Yeah. I don't get it. And so eventually Rose like gets the axe stuck in the roof long enough for Charlie to like get up and run away. And she tosses the axe at him, but misses and they're they're kind of like in this extended chase sequence across the roof of the hotel. Um, Harriet, Tony, like finally takes her outside and is like arresting her and putting her into a squad car. Um, Charlie like sees her from the the peak of like the front of the hotel roof, and they like yell to each other. Um, and Tony's like, "It's okay, I'm gonna come up to the roof and get you." Um, but then of course Rose shows up with the axe and like her and Charlie fight war. Um, she ends up dangling off the roof in, in this, like, fight, and Tony grabs her from, like, an inside window and arrests her, because obviously he has now seen her attacking someone with an axe and, like, believes that she's the axe murderer. It was kind of a nice ending. Like, I half expected it to be, like, the proper horror ending where, like, Rose falls off the roof in the middle of the scuffle and, like... I yeah, I also thought she was gonna die, but no, they you like see her go in the in the squad car and like get taken away. Um and then uh we go back to the, the poetry club and Charlie reads a poem about Rose and Harriet and Harriet is there to support him. Because they're married. Because they are married. 
Are we going to yeah. get copyright struck for how many times we've sung that this episode? We're podcasts. copyright strike podcasts. That's fake. I'm going to make that the credits music on this episode. <laughs> Sick. Moonshot's first copyright strike. What did, uh, what did we think about this movie? It's okay. I like it, but we knew that. I I had a lot of fun. It was fine. I I think we were talking the other day in the in the mood chat chat about like C movies yes. where like you kind oh, of yeah. forget that they exist, and this is a this is like a, a perfect example of a C movie to me. It's absolutely yeah. a C movie, but I I think it's fun. It's silly. Yeah, fun. it's silly and it's cute. I, it has good bits. It does. Yeah, no, I was, I was about to be like, I was about to be contrarian and be like, for me, it's a B minus movie, but no, it's a C movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think my thing with it, I, I, I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun watching it. I, I'm a really big fan of movies where the like the cuts are really weird and like, why did you make this these editing choices? Like, what's with this dialogue? Like, just like weird ass movies, and usually that's like complimentary, but I, it like only works half of the time here for me. <laughs> Yeah, I I kind of, like, I know I said this before, I'm so curious what, like, the original version of this movie would have been if they, like, hadn't done very extensive rewrites on the, uh, on the script. Oh, Marn, before we forget the the fingers thing. The what? The... What, like, the, the bit where, oh, she, yeah. where it looks yeah, like she where Nancy Travis accidentally severed a part of her fingertip while chopping oh, vegetables. Yeah. Yeah, that's like one of the fun facts on on the uh on the Wikipedia page is that uh <laughs> she she accidentally severed one of her fingers in like the scene where they're goofing around in the in the butcher shop and uh she got she had to get it surgically reattached which is crazy. The 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 whole production of this movie and like behind the scenes sounds nuts to me. Mm-hmm. What uh I so I guess we're on we're on three little words. So uh what how how would how would we rate this movie on steaminess? What is it out of five, I think. Out of five? Yeah, five. Um maybe a three. We do get some good butt shots. Uh we have a good sex dream. Yeah, I was going to say, like, a two or a three. Because, like, they do have their moments. They do that. They got their little flirtations. Yeah. I, I, I'd call it, like, a 2.5. But oh, I, I give it the rating I gave it on Letterboxd uh, in general, which is 2.5. Uh, I I think the, uh, like, the, the shower literally was steamy. So I guess that's something. Yeah, I thought, like, the bath scene was kind of steamy mm-hmm. but i feel like that's it uh oh i i guess the uh the scene where um the i guess the 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 scene where she was having the dream was pretty steamy but like it didn't involve the couple only just one of them <laughs> the scene where his mom is making out with tony is pretty steamy uh-huh hey the two scenes where his mom is making out with tony <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, that that does happen more than once, huh? It's it's interesting because like we see a lot of their relationship and their flirtation and like 
their sexual attraction, but it's a very goofy relationship. Definitely. Yeah. What do we think about the dreaminess? Hmm. Hmm. That one I'm willing to go higher on, like maybe a 3.5-ish. Just because, like, it's dreamy in a non-conventional way. Like, they really are enjoying spending time with each other and doing, like, like thinking about like the 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 meat montage. Oh yeah. The meat montage or like the the anniversary scene, that sort of stuff pushes it a little bit higher on the dreaminess scale, I want to say. Yeah, the like the montages so with them like uh flirting and like dating and stuff are uh are very cute. I liked those a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I I also feel a three because it's like it's like a one is like a real life person, and then a five is like I don't know the speech from that Mister Darcy gives or something. True. Oh, yeah. It's because no man would ever say those words. Um. And like I'm like this is like pretty middle of the road being charmier, charm, charmier, charmier. You know, charmier than your average average man but like also it does have does have commitment issues much like real people yeah i i call it a 3.5 i they they're they're so perfect for each other and their weirdness that it is kind of charming i i'm yeah i I, i'm good with 3.5 i would love to dig into the fact that our threshold for dreaminess is um you must allow me to tell how much i ardently admire you (laughs) (laughs) because you're right, but I would love to dig into this some more. <laughs> We're gonna have to dig into the heart of society then, Marn. Because we live in a society. Listen, we have a Mr. Darcy pillow in our living room. I'm not mad at it. <laughs> I think that you're right. Um, How would we rate this on memeiness? Ten. Yeah, ten out of five. Ten out of five. Yeah. It's, I love it. Because we've discovered t- through this podcast that, like, the memes have permeated through the brains of society. Yeah. There she goes! <laughs> yeah, I think it has I think it has to be, like, absurdly high because this apparently, like, ruined the vocabulary of people of the 90s. I yeah. like the nightlife. I like to boogie. <laughs> I, oh, man. We also do a, a segment a of uh, there's isn't there isn't it the, doesn't three little words have a segment that is like uh, smash or pass? Oh yeah, yeah, we should do smash. smash. Or pass. All right, smash or pass. Smash or pass, Kramer. Really quick, everybody. Pass. 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 I mean, smash Harriet. Smash oh, Harriet. Smash Harriet. Harriet. Yeah. I think I would Mike Myers in this movie again, I, despite I, being a lesbian. I know I hate myself for it, but absolute smash Mike Myers in this movie. Oh, God. In a way that makes I me can't... question things about myself while I'm watching it. <laughs> I can't get over his weird haircut in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll say pass. I'll, I'll, be, a, I'll yeah. be a firm pass for, for, Mr., for Mr. Charlie. Um, no, yeah. Pass, pass for me. I know my terrible yeah. tastes. I'm familiar with them. I've lived with them my whole life. Look, I didn't say it would be a successful smash. <laughs> we would attempt. M- me and Harriet both like, I can't not. <laughs> God. 
What about a uh, rose? I was about to say smash. Uh, smash. Smash. Oh, Emma's the dissenter. <laughs> There's just, you know, she's a woman who knows what she wants and also is pretty cool with you walking in on her in the shower. Vibes rancid. Apparently. Yonder AJF, <laughs> I guess. No, vibes God. rancid. It's, it's the, the her tricking you into staying for breakfast. Not into it. That is true. I could fix her. <laughs> yeah, I could fix her. Tony oh, smasher man. pass. Pass. He's a cop. Pass. Yeah, yeah, Correct cop answer. Pass. Cop pass. But okay, but Tony dressed like a Tony not a cop, but he is wearing the Hawaiian shirt and the leather vest. If I uh, I've had enough drinks. <laughs> <laughs> then maybe. No, still pass. Yeah. I'd be I'd regret it. I'd oh, let him buy me a drink. I, yeah. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? <laughs> yep. <laughs> but not but but not all the way to smash on that meter. Yeah, you just you just want to see no. him take off the leather vest. <laughs> <laughs> just what's going on under there? <laughs> oh man. How do we end this show? I guess I think I think it does like should we be like, hey, we're not from here. Yeah. Hey, uh if if you like this episode, uh you could listen to more of us on Dead Teen House Party. Um we are at DTHP Pod on Twitter. We have a page on the Moonshot Pods website. Um, if you don't want to find us on there, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. Just type in Dead Teen House Party. Uh, we have a whole season on the MTV Scream TV show. Uh, we have a season on Fear Street that I need to edit still. Uh, you can also get our episodes early by subscribing to the Moonshot Patreon at patreon.com slash moonshot network. And yeah, that's, that's. That's fucking it. I think that's our show. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do uh, d- d- uh, social media plugs? Yeah, let's do social media plugs. Uh, I have I have been Marin. You can find me on Twitter at Corpse Revivers. I've been Emma. You can find me on Twitter at EmmaTSCA. That's E-M-A-T-S-C-A. I've been Jacqueline. I'm on Tumblr at Swampert. I can't believe nobody had that app. <laughs> Uh, I've been Nessa. You can find me on TikTok at Lochnessa, L-O-C-H-N-E-A-S-S-A. And uh, until next time, don't get axe murdered. Don't get... Don't get axe murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Do better beat poetry. Wear a leather vest. This episode was brought to you by our patrons June B, the Evergreen Collective, and Coralie. And by listeners like you. Thank you.